Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So we started a, um, we started tag out um, in your tag groups, and hopefully you talked about this question, your worst road trip experience. Um, it seemed like a lot of them included a lot of puking. Um, how many of the, yeah, and there was a, a story in your tag about puking. Um, I, my worst road trip experience happened when I was, um, I think I was six or seven years old, and this was before, you guys probably don't remember this, but there were these, before um, SUVs were a big thing, we had these things called station wagons. Anybody know what I'm talking about by station? You've seen them in like movies, I'm sure, but these station wagons, it was kind of like if, a, if an El Camino had a baby with an SUV, it would be a station wagon. And yes, they were ugly. <laughs> they were very ugly. Well, my parents had a station wagon, and the, the cool thing about the station wagon was in the back of the station wagon, there were these jump seats. You know, you could fold it out, and the seats faced backwards. So, you know, I mean, and that was where the party was. I mean, that was the place to be. So, uh, we had I, had, I was one of four brothers and sisters, so there were six of us. We got, we were going to visit my family in Pennsylvania, left from West Virginia, and my little sister, my little brother sat in, like, the back seats, and my brother and I, we sat, and we called it the way back, and it was the jump seats in the back of, that were facing backwards. So my dad, in order to let us sit in the way back, he bought one of those luggage racks, you know, that sits on the top of the car and you strap it down. My dad is an awesome guy, and he, he's very talented musically, um, but as far as like putting things together and keeping them together, sometimes he has challenges. Um, and he, so he used bungee straps to attach, like bungee cords to attach this um, you know, this luggage rack to the top of our station wagon. So we, we, pulled, we got on the interstate at the 29th Street exit, and we made it to Milton, and my brother and I are sitting, and we're looking, we're watching, you know, we're looking as the car, you know, looking at the road, you know, back this way. All of a sudden, I see something go, I'm like, what was that? And I, see, and I was like, oh, that's one of my shirts. And I go, and then it starts going faster, like the shirts are just coming out of the back of this, this luggage. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's almost like it was in slow motion because it caught the air. The entire luggage rack came off the car. So we're watching it from the back. And it, it's flying in the, we see it like it's just hovering almost for like, like two seconds, like in the air. And then it hits the road. And when it hits the road, it does this like, it, you know, it hits and it, everything just opens up. It's like this explosion of clothes, pillows. So my dad had to pull the car over, and I'll never forget the sight of watching my dad dodging 18-wheelers in the middle of I-64, picking up, you know, pillows and suitcases and all this stuff. So, yeah, then my brother and I, we had to cram in the back seat with my other two siblings the whole rest of the way up to Pennsylvania. And um, when I got to Pennsylvania, I laid down on my pillow, and I woke up in the morning, and I realized there was like this dually tire mark across my pillow. So, as you can imagine, my dad, my mom had a lot to say to my dad on that trip. Um, <laughs> it wasn't positive and encouraging, K-Love. Um, so, we've all had, you know, road trip experiences. Yeah, I, I enjoy road trips. Road trips are fun. Yeah, usually, by, you know, within the first hour, I've stopped at a gas station. I've got, like, one of the big 44-ounce, like, you know, beverages. I've got a couple sticks of beef jerky, all kinds of just food, because you just sit there and you just eat, and you just eat the whole time. But after about an hour and a half of every road trip, I feel like, you're done. You're ready to be there. You know, you've played life as a highway about 10 times already. 
you know, and the road trip high has worn off, and now you just feel, you, you, you know, your, 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 your stomach is feeling the, uh, you know, the, the junk food that you got at the convenience store. So you, when you're younger, you ask your parents the question that every parent hates to hear. And the question is, are we there yet? And your dad's probably like, does it look like we're there yet? And he keeps driving, you know, and, and you just ask it. And you ask it, you, you know you're not there, but pretty much what you're saying is, I'm frustrated because I want to be there. I'm tired of sitting in this car. Like, I'm tired of I want to be either home or I want to be where we're going. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be sitting next to my sister or my brother. I want to be, I want my space. Are we there yet? Hey, Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You get kind of frustrated. I'm ready to be out of this stupid car. Are we there yet? We're going to be doing this series called, Are We There Yet? And it's going to talk about... Well, the, the, the proper term is prophecy. Things the Bible says are going to happen. Um, every time I do a survey um, of you guys and what you want to talk about, it's always revelation. You always want to study the book of Revelation. Um, because we're interested to see what's going to happen. And some of us are like, yeah, didn't God like give this promise like 2,000 years ago is going to come for us? And here we are. Hey, God, are we there yet? So we're going to be answering that question <laughs> Um, are we there yet? Um, maybe some of you, how many of you, you the whole idea of, and this is me included, the whole idea of like things that are yet to come in the Bible is confusing to you. And people have tried to explain it, like you've looked at some very like elaborate flow charts about it that have like, you know, really bad graphics on it, and, and you're still confused. Um, the idea for this series is to make it understandable, and for you to really understand the big things that are going to be happening. So, as much as I hate charts, I put together a very simple, I think it's a very simple chart. And this is the chart, and see, what we're going to do over the next four weeks is we're going to follow this little party bus, this little camper, and it's going to take us to different places in the future. We're going to kind of go on a road trip together. Um, I think next week we need to bring a bunch of road trip food and a big thing of popcorn and, you know, I don't know, whatever else you like to eat at road trips and just have a big, like... Yeah, <laughs> and Pepto-Bismol, <laughs> and we'll make sure the bathrooms are ready to go. Um, but but if, if you'll notice, if you'll notice, we are right here. We're right here. We're going to start out right here. So tonight, our bus is right here. Um, next week, our bus is going to be in the judgment zone. Not the judgment-free zone, not Planet Fitness, but it'll be in the judgment zone. So that's, that's something that's yet to come. Um, but, but you've heard it said before, the next thing that's going to happen, or maybe you haven't heard this before, so let me kind of catch you up. The next thing that's going to happen, according to the Bible, is that Jesus is going to come and gather up all those who believe in him and take him to heaven. We call it the rapture. You can see that's the, that's the, 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 um, the, the arrow that points up. The next thing that's going to happen is the rapture. But it's been 2,000 years. Seriously, are we there yet? Like, is it actually going to happen? Um, that's an important question to ask. We're going to ask that question. But there's another question that we're going to ask ourselves tonight that's even more important than that. And this is the question. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? See, my mom had this, um, my mom had this routine um, when we would go up to visit our grandparents in Pennsylvania. Like 30 minutes before we got to where we were going to go, she'd say like something like, Hey, Nate. Can you pull the car over so I can go? Can I so I can go freshen up? You know, because when you get on the road, you know, when you're when you're on the road for nine hours, you start looking a little skanky, right? 
you know, <laughs> you, you, you need to spray some stuff on, you need to paint the barn a little bit, you know, so my, you know, my, so my mom would always, 30 minutes ahead of time, she'd make sure she was ready to look good at the place that she arrived. So the question, I think that's the next slide I have too, maybe I missed it, but um, the next question, and the question that we want to ask tonight is, are we ready? Yeah, we're asking, are we there yet? But the real question we should be asking is, are we ready? Yeah, are we ready to meet Jesus? Um, so if you have your Bible, just kind of get ready. We're going to go to three different places in the Bible. Um, so those of you, I guess, that have your Bible app, you're at, kind of at an advantage because you'll be able to find it a little bit easier. Um, but we're going to start in um, the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Uh, so as we're going through this, we're going to set some things up. And the first thing that we need to know is, if, in, as we're studying prophecy here and asking, are we there yet? is God promised to come for us. God promised to come for us. How, this is an old movie. How many of y'all have seen The Terminator with Arnold? What's his famous line from The Terminator? I'll be back. You know what Jesus said, one of Jesus' last things that he left with us? I don't think he said it in an Austrian accent like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but one of Jesus' last words to us was, I'll be back. Um, and he said it here in John chapter 14, uh, John chapter 14, when God promised to come back for us. I got the words here on the screen. I'll kind of get out of the way so you can read them, and I'll, re I'll read them right here. This is what Jesus said. John 14, verse 1. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm coming to prepare a place for you? And here's the big promise. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me where I am. So Jesus makes a promise, and he's already fulfilled half of this promise, right? He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus went. Jesus ascended back to heaven. After Jesus said these words, he died on the cross, he appeared in front of his disciples, and he went back to heaven to prepare a place for us. And Jesus said, if I leave, I'm going to come back. So we have this promise here that Jesus said he would take us to be with him. Jesus' first promise and the next thing on his calendar isn't that he's going to come and set up shop here. He already did that when he died for our sins, and he's going to do that later that we'll talk about. Jesus' next promise, the next thing he's going to do is he's going to come back and he's going to get us. He's saying, oh, I want you, you. He's, he's, I'm getting you, 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 all you who believe in me, I'm getting you. And, to take, and he's going to take us back to where he is. And at that point, we'll always be with him. So Jesus makes the promise. I mean, he says it in like a sentence, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of questions I want to ask, right? Like, when you, when you, Jesus, when you say, come get us, like, are you going to send angels, like, like, are you going to send, like, rodeo angels with lassos to come get us, or, like, you know, like, like, like how's that going to work? Like, I think that would actually be kind of fun. Like, can you imagine a rodeo angel? But, um, but in the next passage you're going to turn to, First Thessalonians 4, um, God gives us a little bit more detailed of a picture of what that's going to be like. When Jesus comes for us, um, because you know, to me that's 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 pretty exciting. Um, so let's look and let's look and, and see what Second uh, Timothy has to say. I got the words here on the screen. If, if you're not good at flipping back and forth, they're right up here. Verse 16 of Philippians, or of I'm sorry, First Thessalonians 4. It says this. It says the Lord Himself, the Lord meaning Jesus, will come down from heaven, just like Jesus said, right, with the loud command. So Jesus isn't going to come quietly. You know, some people, some Christians may complain that Jesus was too loud when he came down. 
like Jesus, can you just like turn the volume down a little bit? But he will come down with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. I wonder what that sounds like. We've, yeah, don't get me started on angels. We'll talk about that later. But angels aren't these mamsy-pamsy little like, hi, I'm just an angel floating around. Every time somebody saw an angel in the Bible, they were scared. So angels are like big, scary Jesus bouncers, okay? They're, they're not these little winged creatures that flap around. So imagine the shout of an angel. There you go. See, so when you think of an angel, think of John. He's my angel, okay? Um, with the, the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Trumpets are pretty loud. Imagine what God's trumpet sounds like. Um, and then, here's, so, so Jesus comes and he doesn't come quietly. And then it says, the dead in Christ will rise first, which to think about is a pretty awesome promise because maybe some of you are like me and there's somebody that you, that you know and that you love who is a believer in Jesus who has passed away. When all that, when that trumpet sounds and Jesus shouts and the angel shouts, that person you love, they're going to be with Jesus. Not just in their spirit like they are now, but with their body. They will be with Jesus. Verse 17, after that, we, meaning us who haven't died, who are still alive, um, are, and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So think about that. Think about just in, the, in, the, in, in a split second, all the reunion that is going to go on. You've got, you know, people who have died and have been with Jesus in, the, in, in an intermediate body with their spirit. Their body is resurrected and they're with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, here we are. And, we're, and, I, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'm with Jesus and I'm with my granddad. And I'm like, Jesus, granddad, Jesus, granddad, who, who, who do I hug first? You know, like, like there's all this. Imagine what that moment's going to be like. It's going to be incredible. And in verse 18, it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And if you keep reading, you know, this is all, there weren't, when, when God wrote these words, People put the chapter divisions and the verse divisions in the Bible. God didn't put them in. So just keep reading in chapter 5. It says, now, brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates, we don't need to write to you. Are we there yet? You know? For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Meaning, it's going to be unexpected. You know, all these weirdos that say, oh, I've got it figured out. And they do all this like quantum physics and figure out that Jesus is going to come back on, you know, on this day to, to borrow the... Um, to borrow the uh, words of, uh, of somebody famous, they're losers <laughs> because they're always wrong because the Bible says that nobody knows the hour, nobody is going to come like a thief in the night when people are saying peace and, and safety, destruction will come on them as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Go find somebody who's had a baby and let them tell you how that is and they will not escape. But you, brother, that's one of the first big buts we're going to talk about. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us be, not be like others who are asleep, but be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, second big but, but to receive salvation, salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There are two big buts in here. I've got them in red. Um, look at this. It says, but you, it's talking about this terrible time that's going to come as soon as this rapture, as soon as God comes for us and, and, and takes us. The rest of the world is going to go through some terrible trouble. But he says, but you are not in the darkness. This should surprise you. You are children of the day. And then in verse 8, it says, but since we belong to the day, let us put on our faith. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
after God raptures us, those of us who believe um, in Jesus, into heaven, God's judgment is going to come on the earth. We're going to talk about that next week. You know, people say, only God can judge me. You know, that should scare you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> trust me, you'd rather me judge you than God judges you. Um, but, um, but anyway, you don't want to be left, do you? Because it's going to be ter- it's going to be judgment, and it's going to be wrath, and it's going to be destruction. It's going to be war. Um, God, but God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. He appointed us to salvation. So God is coming for us. Jesus is coming for us. And when a lot of people talk about things to come, it, it makes us scared. Or you know, they they talk about all these apocalyptic things. You know, they talk about the Antichrist, and they talk about you know. <laughs> The red heifer, I was like, well, what is a red heifer? Is that like, you know, <laughs> we used to throw that around as, as an insult. Like, your mom's a red heifer. No, but, uh, <laughs> never mind, I need to stop. But um, you know, sometimes prophecy scares us. But look at both of these passages. How did Jesus start out talking to his disciples about when he'd come back in John 14? He said, don't let your heart be troubled. What, did, what does this say in, um, in 1 Thessalonians? It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Prophecy, the idea of studying what's coming is supposed to bring us comfort and it's supposed to bring us security and it's supposed to bring us joy because God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Everybody wants to know who the Antichrist is. We need to stop looking for the Antichrist. We need to, stop looking, we need to start looking for Jesus to come, right? So Jesus is coming back. He promised to come back and he will come back. But now turn to 2 Peter 3. Jesus said he's coming back. When Jesus said those words, it was almost 2,000 years ago. Almost 2,000 years ago. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, God tells us what the day of the Lord, meaning the day Jesus is coming back and all these things are going to start to be set in motion is going to look like. And there's this thing that's going to happen. Verse 3 of chapter 3 of 2 Peter, got it on the screens there for you too, it says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, we live in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on since the beginning of creation. It says in the last day, scoffers will come. What's a scoffer? You know, when I I read that, the first time I read that, I thought of like some 1800s British man with like one of those like curvy pipes and his pants like like this with the long socks. (laughs) I'm a scoffer. I don't know why, that was just the, you know, the picture that I got. Um, but what, what is a scoffer? Um, I, I looked up this word just to see what it meant. Um, and what it meant was someone who mocks, someone who plays with, and someone who deceives. This person is pretty much saying, hey, 2,000 years ago, God said he's going to come back for you. Where's your God? Where's your God? Here's a hurricane. People got killed. Where's your God? And with these scoffers, either A, they don't believe in God, or B, they don't, they, they don't believe that God cares about what's going on in our world. So they say, God's not coming back. And why do they say that? Here's why it says, they follow their own evil desires. These are people that don't want a God in their life. And what they're saying is, hey, you know, God's not coming back. It's been 2,000 years. So since God's not coming back, I think I'm going to live however I want. I think I'm going to go to homecoming with whoever I want. Yeah, I think I'm going to do whatever I want when I get in college because, hey, you know, I haven't heard from God for like 2,000 years. I'm going to do what I want, right? And, that, and the, that's what these scoffers are doing. And that, sometimes we fall into that trap. You know, we think, yeah, God's coming back, but like, 
not in my lifetime, so I might as well enjoy it. You know, God's, you know, maybe God's coming back, but it's been like 2,000 years, and if God didn't come back during World War II, you know, you know I think we're okay right now, and um, you know, I think I'm just going to kind of live for me right now. I think I'm going to do what I want to do right now. But the truth is, God could come back at any time. God could come back at any time. So why in the world has God waited 2,000 years to come back? Has God forgotten us? That Jesus, is Jesus one day going to wake up and say, oh shoot, I forgot to go get my people. Uh-uh. Keep reading in this passage and you'll see, and this is the next point, God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten. Verse 8, it says, we do not forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Why has God not come back? I'll give you three reasons why God has not come back yet. The first is because his ways are so much better than ours. God is smarter than you. I know that's hard for some of you to think. I know you're smarter than your parents or you think you're smarter than your parents, but you're not smarter than God. Think about this. Aren't you glad that God didn't come back 100 years ago? If God, didn't come, if God came back 100 years ago, you'd be A, non-existent, <laughs> Right? Or B, you would be born during one of the most terrible times, the most terrible time in the history of the world. So we can be thankful, right, that God has not come back yet because God is smart and he's got this all figured out. He's got this all worked out. And, you know, just like you can't create matter, right, matter can be neither created nor destroyed unless you're God. God is smarter than us. And here it says, with the Lord, the day's like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So God isn't as limited by time as we think we're limited by time, is he? God is God. He's big. So first reason that God hasn't come back yet is because he's God. He can do what he wants to do, right? And he's a lot smarter than us. The second reason, and this, this one is real important. Look at it. Keep reading. It says, verse 9, the Lord is not slow. Here's the, why I put the tortoise up here. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. When somebody, can, when somebody asks, where God, where's God? He's waiting for you to get your butt saved so he can come back and, 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 and rapture us. That's the Matt McClay version of it. God is patient. How many of y'all are glad that God waited to come back until you got saved? You know, I am. And when we, want, when we think, is God, is God slow? Did he forget? No, God is patient. And God is loving. And, and he could come back right now and be totally just and totally right by coming back. But because God is so loving and is so patient, he's waiting come back until everyone that needs to be, until everyone that is going to put their faith in Christ puts their faith in Christ. A lot, lot of things I could go into there and the whole, you know, free will versus you know, God's sovereignty, but you know, I think God's big enough to give people free will and still be sovereign. Um, then the third reason, it's God's plan and nobody speeds up or slows down God's plan. Verse 10, it says, the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back, will come like a thief Heavens will disappear, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and everything that's done will be laid bare. This talks. This is like prophecy in a nutshell. Jesus is going to come back. The world's going to be judged. We're going to come back and rule and reign with Christ, and then he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, so if you didn't catch that this time, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. God's got, God has not forgotten his plan. God's plan hasn't gone off course. We are right where we need to be. So what should we do? We're supposed to get ready. How do we get ready? The first way we get ready is we need to get right with God. We need to get right with God. Um, 
verse 11, it says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You know, how do you get ready? It says, you ought to live holy and godly lives and look forward to the day of God. Um, I, we asked the question in tag, if you knew God was going to come tomorrow, how would you act today? You know, we may not make it to homecoming. God may come before homecoming. Some of you already got things you want for Christmas. We may not make it to Christmas. God may come before Christmas. God could come at any point. So the question is, are you ready to meet God? First, are you saved? Have you put your faith in Jesus? And secondly, is everything right between you and God? The moment I see Jesus, I don't want the first thing I say to be oops. Right? Wouldn't it be awkward if when that trumpet sounded and that angel shouted, we were right in the middle of doing something that displeased God? What if when that trumpet sounded, there was unconfessed sin between us and God? Are you ready? Are you ready? Next way to get ready is help others get right with God. Why is God not back yet? Why did Jesus not come back yet? Because there are still people that need to be saved. Remember a couple weeks ago, we had our big family dinner, and we said, let's do it again. And, and, and we wanted to, you know, we said, let, we, we need to double the size of our, you know, we need to double our, you know, the people that we're reaching. Um, over the course of a year, you say, oh, man, that's, you know, that, that seems like kind of fast. Like, you know, you know that's, that's about impossible. And maybe we should try to space this out a little bit. And, you know, we may not have till the end of the year. We may not have till our not-so-traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Jesus may come. Who do you know that if Jesus comes, will be left here? If you knew that Jesus for sure was coming tomorrow, how would that change the way that you talk to your friends? Are you ready? Are your friends ready? And then finally, be on guard. In verse 16, it says that people will come and will try to deceive you. And that people will come and they'll try to distort God's word. We need to be ready. We need to know what we believe. So, to, to wrap it all up, the next thing on God's calendar is that he's coming to get the people that believe in him. So, are you ready? Let's pray, and then we'll get out of here. Um, Father, thank you for your promise. Um, we look forward to your coming. Um, there are a lot of things in our life that we'd like to do and that we look forward to doing, but um, God, I truly believe that when we're raptured into your presence, all the things that we're looking forward to down here are not going to matter anymore. Uh, God, thank you for your promise. Thank you that there's more to our life than just what we see in just this world. Uh, so God, I pray for each teenager and each adult in here, all of us uh, tonight, uh, God, that we will live a life that's pure in your sight so that when you come back, We'll be able to look into your beautiful face and you'll look at us and you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, God, I pray for people here that aren't sure that when you come, if they'll be going with you or if they'll be left behind. Um, God, I pray that they'll put their faith in you tonight. I pray that they'll receive your forgiveness and they'll receive your adoption. Um, that they will have it settled and they'll know for sure that they are saved and that they are one of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.